0: Thank you, Elijah. This, this is Christ, the King, the Babe, the Son of Mary. Well, Merry Christmas. Are we on? I'll feel better when that's when it's on behind me. Should I wiggle something? All right, Merry Christmas. All right. (laughs) Whew. Merry Christmas. All right. Wow, another Christmas come and gone. Hard to believe. Twenty twenty one Christmas. What a year. What a couple of years. I trust that you had a Merry Christmas or having a Merry Christmas, that the uh, Christmas is continuing. We've had a saying around our house since uh, the, our kids were small. I think it started with my mother-in-law uh, who said uh, Christmas is for kids. Uh, should we bring uh, Irene up? She likes to be questioned on the, and from the front, you know is uh, the tradition, I think. But anyway, Christmas is for kids. You know, And it doesn't mean Christmas isn't for anyone else, but Christmas is particularly for kids because kids have that special awe and wonder of the Christmas season. Christmas is a lot more fun when you've got the gifts under the tree waiting for the kids and they open them up and all the surprises and, and all that. And uh, our house is still, uh, in fact, you can see it here, uh, I mean, everybody's having Christmas in this picture. The adults are look like it's pretty much business, but uh, the kid, I mean, it's having fun. Our house, too, now, I, uh, I will just disclose, i uh, I came this close to showing you about 19 pictures of my grandson opening presents and all that, but I resisted. I just made one. Uh, and his uh, his mother was a former art teacher at uh, in the Southerton School District. She's very artistic, and he's actually making a stocking. And uh, so we enjoy Christmas with the kids, particularly with Austin. Linda and I have exactly one grandson. We've got another one on the way, we found out uh, a couple weeks ago. But right now we have exactly one grandson, and... Christmas is really special for him, and there's a lot of focus. Yes, we bought him a far too expensive Christmas toy, like everybody else did. Anyway, he's getting spoiled rotten. But anyway, Christmas is for kids. Hmm. In the biblical story, in the biblical version, there's a lot of comfort and joy, peace and wonder. There's a baby. There are some animals. There are wonders in the sky. But it's not really a kid's story. In the biblical story, Christmas comes into a dark, particularly dark, anguished, Desperate world. It comes into a world in which the bullies are in power. It comes into a world in which the sinners are engaging in oppressive, malicious malevolence, seemingly unimpeded, unrestrained. In the biblical version of the story, in the way Christmas actually happened originally, yes, Joseph and Mary, virgin birth and all that, and they have to go to Bethlehem, the the city of David, because that's where Joseph's family hailed from, to be taxed. And this wasn't just an 8% inflation rate, big government tax. This was an extortionary extraction of patronage to Rome. And that going home to the city of origin, that was not to ensure equity of tax allocation. That was to ensure thoroughness That whole tax system up to and including the genealogical tracing of origins was more Nazi than IRS. So they have to travel to Joseph's hometown because of that rife with injustice, oppression, sorrow, pain, unjust suffering. And and this uh, this is an artist's rendition. But, but look at how the star is crafted here. That's actually a labarum. It's a cross. The whole thing takes place under the shadow of a coming cross. Or under the light of. <laughs> but there, there is a tough I won't call it ending, but there is a tough plot line still coming. Simeon is going to tell Jesus' mother, this baby is going to cause division. He's going to highlight what people's hearts really are, including people who claim to be the people of God. He's going to, he's, this baby is going to be a sign that's contested. Mary, a sword is going to pierce your own soul too. You know, it's still a dark world. I was hoping that by now COVID would be behind us. It's upticking again. Anyway, upticking again. We're still online at Missio when we return in the fall. You know, Philadelphia exceeded its uh, homicide rate in November. I mean, the, the, its homicide rate record is what I meant to say. It's, its world record for homicides were exceeded in Philadelphia in November with December yet to go. <clears throat> it's, it's still a dark world. We uh, visited my, my parents in the Peter Becker Skilled Nursing Unit. <laughs> I mean, you can hear all the overtones of that. I'm at a stage of life in where even the most joyous celebrations, it seems, are bittersweet. You know, have a, have a lacing of, of grief to it. Had a wonderful time with my parents. Unclear whether my mother, a couple of days later, remembered the gathering. I mean, so there's that. I miss my sister's lasagna. <laughs> I also miss my sister's laughter. I just realized, you know, I, there are lots of things I miss about my sister. This is our fourth Christmas with, uh, without hope. Not without hope, but without my sister Hope. And uh, we still miss her. And the Mangum family would not even win the competition for family having undergone the most grievous sorrow and and pain. There are people in this room that have lost people closer more recently. Parents, spouses, children. I mean, not to be a Debbie Downer with Christmas, but it's still a dark, desperate world Filled with pain and suffering. And so the answer. Ring ding ding-a-ding ding 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 a ding (laughs) ding. Oh ding 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 ding. It's snowing and I'm happy, happy clappy, happy clappy, happy, clappy, happy, clappy. Huh? especially in a world this dark and pain-filled? This is what Christmas is all about? I mean, (laughs) I'm sorry. I mean, and if you enjoy, you know, gathering your family around a cartoon as part of your celebration, that's great. I mean, there's all kinds of joys and enjoyments, but... I mean, I got nothing against Rudolph. I'd let him play the reindeer games. I mean, I would, but that's a stuffed animal. And the little drummer boy, I mean, even even trace out the plot line. Mary, nine months pregnant, has to go on this arduous journey to pay this extortionary tax gets there and in the crowded hustle and bustle of what was to be her sleeping quarters is barred to go and then go through the labor and delivery of this baby in a barn. So I'm sure that the first thing she said when she's done delivering the baby and all that cleaning up the mess in the barn with the animals, but you know what would really make this all okay? A drum solo. <laughs> I mean, even the plot line of that doesn't make sense. Frosty? I got nothing against him. But he melts. Or he's hit by a truck or a bus or both. And the gingerbread man, he gets eaten. <laughs> Never mind that he looks kind of like Mr. Bill from the old Saturday Night Live. And And, and then... I understand that the original St. Nicholas was a godly, compassionate man. That's wonderful. But this, I mean, look at that bag. That's a glorified hobo doing home invasions for food. (laughs) In a world of genuine, serious, grown-up pain, struggle, suffering, If the meaning of Christmas, if all that's offered in the meaning of Christmas is this kind of empty tinsel, meaningless glitter, saccharine superficiality, shallow sentimentality at best, no wonder Christmas can be depressing for some people. It's still a dark world. Now here's how the biblical Christmas story is often told. The world was dark and desperate because of sin. And so God, because he loved the world, sent his Son to be the light of the world, to bring light to a world filled with darkness, and to bring joy and peace to a world otherwise dark and desperate, Miserable and in pain. I'm going to say to you that that's not bad, but it could use some nuance in places. So uh, you look at this, think about it, and I tell you what uh, take out a piece of paper, pencil, pen and see how you would improve upon this and uh, give you a couple of minutes and uh, I'll, uh, I'll call on you then. <laughs> oh, you know what? I forgot where I was for a second. <laughs> that That's my day job. Uh, I just finished grading my papers five days ago, you know, so I'm still kind of a seminary teacher. but I'm not going to call on anybody. But think about... How you might nuance this version of the Christmas story a little bit. While you're thinking about that, let me shift gears a little bit. Imagine that you are a sea captain of a cruise ship. All right? You're not only riding the cruise ship. You are the captain of the cruise ship. I mean, look at that. That's an actual, that's, that's the actual captain's bridge of a passenger cruise ship. I mean, it looks like a spaceship on the inside, uh, but, I mean, it navigates the high seas with not a, not a problem, and you're the captain, Okay? Got it. Imagine that you are the captain. All right. So you are the captain. Here we go. See that? I'm imagining that I am the captain. I could be the captain. I, I could do it. But imagine that you are the captain, all right? Imagine that you're the one steering, guiding, navigating the ship. Not only are you the captain, Imagine that these are your quarters. Huh? Now, that's five star luxury there. By the way, that's the actual captain's quarters of the Queen Mary. All right? You're the captain, this cruise liner, it's your ship, these are your quarters, okay? All right, now imagine, a little plot twist. Now imagine a tragedy has befallen some passengers on your cruise ship. Uh oh, what happened there? Well, turns out some people fell overboard, and uh, you're moving north to south. I and mean, you're uh, you're headed to the Caribbean Islands but you're still in the northern part of the chilly Atlantic when this happens. So the water's cold. People are not going to last long in that condition. Hypothermia is going to set in. I mean it's it's going to be a problem. And just just when you thought things couldn't get any worse, look through your binoculars and holy <laughs> now there's sharks bearing down. On these poor people flapping about in the chilly waters. So, one of the questions you ask, it's probably be the first question I ask in the uh, Mangum book of problem solving and analysis. Step one: assign blame. <laughs> Who's at fault in this? You know, what what happened? You know, what's the problem? What happened? Well. How did this happen? And when you get the answer, you find out that the answers to how this happened is not just puzzling, but appalling. It turns out that this all started with a group of gangster thugs attempting a mutiny. And they mistook either a poster or someone that looked like you and went and rushed trying to throw you overboard, trying to push you overboard, and ended up falling in themselves. And in the confusion, other people went with them. And in fact, some of them, as they're going down, either in desperation or just meanness, pulled other people down with them. And now you've got a real problem with dozens, if not hundreds of people, now in the chilly water that are about to become shark bait. Or worse. And then not only that. You send some lifeboats. Send some rescue workers out. When these lifeboats come out. These people are still in mutiny mode. So they're yanking on the oars. Pulling the, the, the rescue workers into the water. Trying to capsize the lifeboats. Yanking people in, hurt, killed some of the rescue workers trying to help and rescue these people. So imagine that you're the sea captain of a cruise ship. And these are your quarters. And this is the situation, now more titanic than Carnival Cruise Line. You say, what, what was the issue? Why are they so mad? Why are they trying to commit the mutiny in the first? Well, they didn't like the food. It's five-star food. I mean, I've I've got a world-class chef making the, yeah, it's a little too healthy. They wanted more butter, a little more bacon. (laughs) You were heading to the Bahamas. They wanted to go to Cuba. You're the captain. This is the situation. Question. Question for you. Let's try this on for size. Do you jump into the chilly, shark-filled water yourself to try to save these violently mutinous, irrationally uncooperative, ingrate people? Because now we're close to the Christmas story. I wouldn't have done it. I just, you know, (laughs) drop some life rafts. Um, let them swim for it. I'll take six hours. We'll arrive six hours late to the Bahamas. I mean, I'd be that'd be my natural inclination. They're fighting the rescue workers. These are mutineers. So we know about Jesus, Messiah, Son of God, Lamb of God. Here are his quarters before he came to earth. You think the Queen Mary... Is luxurious and nice. 24-7 service. Extolling adoration, comfort, security. 24-7. We get just a glimpse of it in the visions of Revelation. There's an old gospel song it says, He left the splendor of heaven, knowing his destiny. Because here's how he was treated when he came. That's the story of Christmas. He come from the kingdom. He come from the glorious kingdom to be born a baby among the oppressed, among the persecuted, among the overpoliced, the disadvantaged. He was one of them. He was under the neck of a Roman government that not only mistried him but executed him in the most humiliating public way possible. Today it's still a dark world. And here's how the Christmas story is often told. The world was dark and desperate because of sin, and so God, because he loved the world, sent his Son to be the light of the world, to bring light to a world filled with darkness, and to bring joy and peace to a world otherwise dark and desperate, miserable and in pain. Here's what I'd adjust And so, God, because He loved the world, that almost sounds like, oh, God's got to do something. He didn't. He really didn't. It's more like the world was dark and desperate because of sin. He didn't make it that way, nor was He responsible for it getting that way. It was the result of a mutiny that it ended up in such dark desperation and depravity. But despite that, even still, God persisted in loving the world anyway. Enough that in great self-sacrifice, he came out of the captain's quarters, jumped off the ship and went into and rescued the people himself. Who? For his effort, drowned him. Tried to drown him. Drowned him, and he resurrected. Nobody saw that coming. Anyway, analogy is going to break down eventually. Breaks down at the resurrection, I guess. But didn't didn't welcome him, and didn't grab the life raft. Here's how the Gospel of John puts it. In him was life. Did get a little Bible in here. In him was life. And that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. But the darkness has not understood it. You'd think that the darkness would welcome the light. But it didn't. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, but though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Rejected him. Tried to pull him under. Yet, to all who received him, To those who believed in his name, he made a new race of people out of them. That's, That's the point that John is getting at. He gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, not in the normal means of birth and reproduction, nor of human decision. Not as a result of family planning or a husband's will, but born of God. Here's the thing. It's a dark, desperate, depraved world. And the darkness was and is indeed miserable. But that doesn't mean that the light had to come. He didn't. He didn't have to. The light was under no obligation to come. And yet he did anyway. So here's how Paul puts it in Philippians. Here's how the Holy Spirit puts it through Paul in Philippians. (laughs) Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be held on to, but made himself nothing, taking the nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and appearing in human form, He humbled himself and became obedient. Obedient to death. Obedient to death, even on a cross. That is the Christmas story. It's a genuine, grown up, serious story. With Solemn, potent solution to real problems, suffering, pain, and misery. It's not just a marvelous story. It's not just a joyous story, though it is all that. It's also a missional story. What? Holy Spirit, when prompting Paul to reflect on the incarnation of Christ, starts off the whole thing with this. Your attitude. Your attitude, Mangum, should be the same as Christ Jesus. See, without that missional piece, remember that ocean liner, Captain? Analogy, illustration. Without the missional piece, you and I could be tempted to be looking over the balcony. Good swimming, Jesus. You, you are a marvelous swimmer. Way to go. Good rescue. Oper- excellent, Jesus. That is wonderful. You're doing excellent. I, hey, uh, hey, uh, I, I know you're busy. I know you're busy. But uh, when you get back, could you, could, you, uh, could you get me a a blanket or a towel or something? Getting a little chilly here on the deck. Just saying, no, no, you don't have to bother now. I know you're busy, and and have someone be a dear and uh, top off my latte. Uh, see, the the Christmas story without the missional piece can be viewed as something marvelous to wonder in, or or even a divine ministry to simply benefit from. But the story, the way Jesus and the New Testament actually present it is, yes, we are beneficiaries, but we're also supposed to be participants in. John 1, the light came into the world and the darkness resisted and all that. You remember that? John 8, Jesus says... I am the light of the world, no surprise. But do you know that Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount says to his disciples, you are the light of the world. Well, now, which is it now? Got to do some systematic theology to figure that out. Which is it now? Is Jesus the light of the world or are we the light of the world? Because it says both. Well, if you've ever participated in a candlelight service, we had one at Grace Bible recently. Maybe you participated. But if you've ever participated in a candlelight service, you can see the explanation. There's always one that kind of self-starts as the light. Well, that's Jesus. That's God. But the light is shared until eventually the whole room is permeated with lights and thus light. Jesus is the light of the world. You are the light of the world. And Matthew 5 starts with salt, ends with city on the hill. But the light is the one point he comes back to. Who hides a light? Let your light shine. That little light of thine, that little light of mine, you got to let it shine. You hide it under a bushel? No! <laughs> You got to let it shine because you're the light of the world. Let this attitude be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was enjoying the comforts, the security, and the splendor of heaven, came anyway on a rescue mission for ingrate, violently malicious undeserving sinners like you and me that having been rescued now need to be part of the rescue mission. So I'm going to close this boxing day day after Christmas message with just a few questions. Have you seen the light? Have you seen the light? And if you've seen the light, have you embraced the light? John's gospel and then the epistles of John say the natural reaction to darkness is to recoil from it. So where are you in that? You see the light, but are you swimming away from it? Are you recoiling from it? Are you leaning into? Have you embraced the light? Are you walking in the light? There are a lot of Christians who ought to know better. that ought to be points of light that are spreading as much darkness as the, the darkest of malevolent, malicious. Worldly sinners who don't know any better. Are you walking in the light? Are you forwarding the kingdom of Christ? Or have you gotten distracted by something else? Something lesser? Something shallower? Something more artificial? Something that promises power, gratification, pleasure that's going to let you down. No more power than that, than Frosty the Snowman's hat or the little drummer boy's drum. Are you sharing the light? Have you benefited yourself? Are you sharing the light? Are there people in your orbit that really need this good news? They may not know that this is what they're looking for, But this is the good news that they really desperately need. Are you sharing the light? Are you bearing the light? Are you a light where you are? Is the testimony of your presence, your reputation, your words, your actions, such that light up the room, not just with pleasantness, but with kingdom purposes, With the mission of Jesus Christ that he sacrificed much to undertake. This is the Christmas story. Bear it, share it, enjoy it, marvel in it, but participate in it as well. Let's pray. Father God, we are taken back with the mystery that we recognize we will never fully understand. We recognize this morning, Father, how undeserving we are, how completely under no obligation you were and are to take up pursuit of us, much less at the level of self-sacrifice you undertook to rescue us clueless, ingrate, resistant, even depraved. So we marvel in your grace and love. I ask us this morning by the power of your Holy Spirit to work in us, to make us not only beneficiaries of the light of the world, but derivative bearers of that light. In Jesus' name, in whom we glory, praise, and love, amen.